0: This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, is it okay to take your socks off on an airplane? What about listening to music but no headphones, speaker style? Claire Newell at TravelBestBets.com helps us understand what Canadians think is gross or acceptable while flying. Are you okay with Christmas in July? What about some karaoke? And handy Andy Barrar brings us some tips on how to beef up your home security DIY style without expensive insulation. Plus, he gets scientific about earworms and songs that get stuck in your head. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast.
1: This is the Shift Podcast.
0: All right, when you get on an airplane, I don't know about you, but I always find it kind of gross when there's like pretzel crumbs on my chair. And not at least a big deal, because I know that they, you know, go through and they sort of wipe down the plane or whatever. When I see little kids on planes, and there's one of two things that always happens in my mind. Anyway, there's always a parent that is terrified. And they're, they're just doing anything they can hanging on for dear life, trying to not interrupt everybody's flight because their child is well being a child. But then there are the parents that just don't seem to care. And the entire floor is crushed with goldfish crackers and just gross and in a way that is just inconsiderate I mean I think that yes it's not your job to clean the plane but it is your job to just kind of leave it as you found it I think that's fair Claire Newell joins us travel best bets Claire do you think that's a fair uh, determination at least leave it to your best ability kind of how you found it take your junk with you
2: uh, take your junk with you i think that's i think that should absolutely be the norm kind of that unwritten rule of travel etiquette when you're in the air um i have to tell you though having traveled as much as i do and been sick especially in the early years when i didn't do this but i leave it way cleaner then i go because i clean the tree you wipe tables, everything yeah. the arm yeah the armrest, <laughs> the window shades i even wipe the uh the you know where that you can control the air overhead i wipe mm-hmm. what i'm touching there um and one of the things people forget is if you are cleaning with those wet wipes you need to soak whatever it is you're cleaning and let it dry for two minutes so i make sure i do that as well and when i see people around me whether it's my you know, my own family, or even just someone who's sitting beside me, not part of my family, I'll say, would you like one of these to clean your, clean Mm -hmm. your part of the plane? Well, Um, yeah,
0: there's a little cross-pollination that can happen anyway, right?
2: Exactly. Um, But there's just, you know, over the years I've seen and heard, especially people send me all sorts of stories that are nasty. Um, Some of the worst was someone I actually knew was going on a flight on a long haul flight they were actually sitting in business class because they were going on business and underneath the seat in front of them they had a blanket rolled up and it was tightly wrapped um so obviously maybe the cleaning crew didn't see it pulled it out and it had been puked in oh god right (laughs) yeah okay the the other gross thing is what about the the diapers in the seat back pocket you know the the dirty diaper that was cleaned on the seat um the baby was changed and then they rolled up the dirty diaper as people do and shoved it in the seat back pocket and never take it out like Mm -hmm. come on people I mean,
0: and you would forget, I guess, probably guilty every now and then of forgetting about things behind you. But I mean, just, I mean, you're going to check the seat back to see if you left your wallet or whatever in there. Or Um, your cell phone
2: or whatever. Your cell phone,
0: your AirPods, or your poopy diaper. poopy. (laughs) Um, so, <laughs> the uh so okay well that's really gross thanks for taking me there that's great um so Claire Claire Newell not only travel expert germaphobe and justifiedly so okay so yes there, there's a story that is quite disturbing um there are there I'm assuming there's some mitigating circumstances on it as well because of where the flight was so when a, a an airline like um, Air France or whatever comes to Canada. They don't have the same resources in Canada that they do in France. And so right. they they don't always have access to to getting you know things cleaned the same way, but there, there's usually a backup plan, right? There is an emergency backup plan, and somebody has to make that decision, Hey, by the way, are we going to uh, you know hire this agency to come in and clean, or can we afford the time or whatever? Um, right. You, you can probably tell the story maybe a little better than I can, but it was it was pretty gross.
2: When you sent it to me, I was I I, I, I kind of gasped. I was thinking if I was on that flight, I would have just been horrified. So the the long and short of it was a gentleman who was flying with his wife and his two cats on an eight hour flight from Toronto, and he was kind of he smelled something, and then he ended up. Kind of getting on his hands and knees because he was wiping the floor beneath his seat, and when he th- he thought it was something else, and it came out blood red, and I, I mean it kind of makes sense because the smell of blood almost you know it kind of smells like feces when it's rotten, mm-hmm. and turns out there had been someone in the seat that had actually bled substantially. Like they Substant- called it hemorrhaging. They called it
0: hemorrhaging. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I think someone may have dropped the ball on that. That would be my take on this because in my opinion, it should have been considered a biohazard. No one should have ever been left in that seat. If they didn't have the chance to be able to clean it, maybe not even the seats around it. Um, instead he, it was a completely sold out seat, um, aircraft. And so he, instead he was given some latex gloves and some more wipes. Eventually he was given, um, some blankets by the cabin crew to put between his pit carriers and the bloodstained floor. um, he was then called to make matters even worse is that um, the airline actually phoned him three days later to let him know that the blood was actually mixed with feces. So this is a major, uh, someone let the ball drop here. And it's, uh, it's horrific and it should never have happened. And yes, I agree with you that airlines sometimes have, they may not realize the whole situation. They may have thought it had just been blood, but you can imagine where that blood was coming from now. Mm-hmm. And because Shane, it's that's um, right. It's horrible.
0: Yeah, it's horrible. And so he, a couple of things, he originally thought it was his cats. He was traveling with his cats in, in mm-hmm. cat crates. And so he thought maybe one of his cats had messed. And because it was gross, the smell was ba- bad. And then when that's when he realized when he moved his cats that the bottom of the crate was red. And that it was something on the floor. Now, there's actually a photo on the Global article, which I'll post the Global article at shiftheads.ca. There's a photo of him on the floor with rubber gloves on, wiping yeah. like wiping <laughs> things and trying to picture. clean the cat carrier with just wet wipes. And, like, it's disgusting. And I'm guessing that a, a ticket from Toronto to Paris isn't cheap either. And um, and so yet here he is cleaning his own stuff. And I remember this, and, and this is a credit to WestJet. It was really quite funny. I was flying when I was flying from Dublin back to calgary i didn't think i was going to get a seat because the seat i was put in was closed because there was gum on the seat and they were like you can't sit in the seat sir sorry there's gum on it
2: yeah so and what happened clo- here right we've closed
0: <laughs> yeah they closed the seat because there was gum on it and they didn't want to ruin anybody's clothes the site is the flight wasn't quite full but it was pretty close to full. And so nobody was gonna lose out over gum, but they closed the seat because they didn't want anyone's stuff to get ruined or to get gum in the hair and all that stuff. And yet, so you have one airline that's like, sorry, sir, there's gum in the seat, we need to move you. And you have another airline with like, hey, there's blood and poop, eh? You need to go and uh, get some rubber gloves and clean that up for yourself. Um, There's a difference there.
2: There's a difference there. Or they could have asked people, um, like kind of cottoned off the whole area I cornered it up and then decided what they wanted to do as far as getting people to voluntarily bump themselves from the flight for some compensation so that they could yeah. have made room and everyone could have gone. There's lots of different scenarios that could have happened here. One of the things that um, I hope that Air France comes to the table is some sort of compensation. Um, that That is the least that they can do. I, I mean, at least I think they should give him a ticket. He should never have to endure that.
0: Yeah, well, he probably should be able to travel for a, quite a while for no problem. Um, <laughs> you know. But, but th- really, when you think about that, I mean, it was blood and, and, you know, and poop and all those things that, I mean, there's probably six or eight seats that probably shouldn't be sat in. Plus, the smell, not a short flight. So, I mean, there's a lot going on here that's absolutely disgusting. So, we thought, uh, Claire Newell with travelbestbets.com, we could do a little bit of some travel etiquette survey things um, that, that are interesting i think because people have a lot of different views of over what's gross uh, on a flight and maybe somebody thinks gum is gross and and i think that west did the right thing when they they said no thanks for the seat um but the there's other people think that there's other things like putting your feet up that are gross too what do you see
2: <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable yeah you're right um kayak actually did a survey it was um for canadian and u.s travelers Of which 64% of people traveling have witnessed some bad in-flight etiquette. And so the seat back uh, or socks on a flight, do you think that people uh, take them off? I didn't realize more people take their their socks off. I guess if they're traveling barefoot or with flip-flops on, they just take their shoes off and then don't put socks on. 76% say socks should stay on during a flight. I think that goes without saying.
3: Well,
0: yeah, I don't know if I would say that if you're in flip-flops... And you have naked toes that you should have to put on socks, but I think that you should probably keep your flip flops on, um, or at least keep your feet on your flip flops.
2: Or at it, least not put your feet on someone else's seat back so that they can see the hairy put, toes, right? Uh, <laughs>
0: hairy toes. Oh, that's so good. Um, but yes, don't be putting your naked feet. I mean, there's lots of bacteria on your feet, so don't be putting them on people's things. I think that's a safe thing. I would say the same thing with socks, right? Like some people, they'll stuff their sock covered feet sort of between the, between the seats on the armrest to get their feet up. And, um, that's not okay. I don't think that's
2: okay. I don't think that's okay. It was interesting because a lot of people on long haul flights, have a different feeling than on short haul flights like 88 of people say it's okay to recline your seat but one in three um people feel like it's only permissible on a long haul or an overnight flight mm-hmm. i know those flights are hard to get comfortable especially when you're trying to get some sleep you kind of put your feet up i've tried to every way 10 ways to sunday to get myself comfortable and i'm a pretty good sleeper but sometimes i get that restless leg and i don't know where to put them across right. one underneath i just i kind of Put it up on the on the seat back not not onto someone else's armrest but up onto the seat back trying to get comfortable and i I try not to disturb them by you know bumping the seat i just try and hang them there it it doesn't do any any good but i try
0: yeah Um, but yeah i just think that with seats getting so much closer together all the time i think this is an airline design seating arrangement problem not a passenger problem because people are just trying to find space
2: Yeah, people are trying to find space. And, you know, I think it's that the whole size. There's lots of debate about this over the years. It really hasn't changed much, probably in the past two decades. Prior to that, it was a little bit bigger and people had a lot more space. And that's one of the reasons I always tell people to go to SeatGuru.com. If you're picking a seat, don't pick it before and pay before you go to seatguru.com because they have the um, the layouts of all the aircraft that all of the major carriers fly and they kind of score them. They'll tell you if you have less room or not, if the seats recline or if they don't, if they're close to a galley or a bathroom. And I think it's really important before you you make your decision because almost every airline, if you don't want a middle seat at the back of the aircraft, you're paying. And it might be 10 bucks, it might be 50 it might be 100 if you want to sit in exit rows and things so um you want to put your money where you're going to have the most comfort and the things that you want i mean on a short haul flight that doesn't really matter i mean I, i'd kind of sit anywhere on a flight that's one or two hours but when it comes to going on a long haul flight i want the best seat i possibly can
0: mm-hmm. oh absolutely holy right? with champagne please yes please um, <laughs> um okay so we got to sleep people overflow you and I've talked about armrests middle seat gets armrests in the middle there's just that's just the way it goes I think that's what something everyone needs to subscribe to um unless of course you're willing to ask and say hey do you mind if I steal it um and some people might be happier if you just pulled the armrest away actually and took the extra space but falling asleep and snoring is a tough one because I always say to my neighbors I'm like look I'm going to go to sleep if I start snoring or anything like that please feel free to give me the elbow
2: Yeah, Um, the tap me on the shoulder. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, and,
0: but, but I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's hard to control that.
2: It really is. But there's some kind of airline etiquette that I think people need to remember. And I'm like you. I always say if there's a stranger on either side of me or on one side of me, I'll say, listen, if I happen to, you know, lean over a little bit, please tap me on the shoulder. I don't you don't need me leaning on you. I, I tend not to I sit, kind of stay straight up and I'll put my my pillow around my neck and, and stay quite still. But sometimes it happens. Same thing with snoring. I, I, I think. Um, And the other is if I happen to be on an aisle, which I typically like because I like to get up and zip to the bathroom if I need to, Um, but I would want somebody to wake me up if they want to get out. For any reason. Oh, rather yeah. Rather than try and get around me, I don't really want to crotch or a bum in my face. Thanks. Well, that's just it, right?
0: <laughs> like you're going to uh, you're gonna wake up to someone's butt in your face. And <laughs> right. that's not great.
2: Right. Or worse, the other way. And people go both ways. I've seen it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing is um the whole noise. Can you imagine, I'm
0: sorry to interrupt. I just like imagine waking up, you're like,
2: Oh, hello. Uh, well, good morning. Oh, oh it's awful. Shane, it's awful. I've actually had it. And so that's one of the reasons I thought I'd mention it. Um, so I, I want to quickly talk about talking on a, a plane because it kind of annoys me when I sit down and there's someone having a business conversation during the taxiing and, and I don't need to hear it. Some people, you know, yelling at their, their spouse or whatever. And I know oh, that those are the ca- worst. just, yes, just last month, there are some airlines in the, in Europe that will be allowing people to have cell phone conversations. And so it's, I think it's important for people to be wearing headphones. No one needs to hear both sides and then speaking into your headphone yeah. into the mic rather than having this loud conversation. But you know, when you're on the headphones, people do tend to speak louder and so, so that's one of the things that uh that is disturbing to people 70% of people that were uh d- you know that were part of this survey said that you're not allowed to watch anything without headphones oh including, absolutely including including kids
0: i i can't believe that they would even uh 70% would be that low um let's just make that a rule for life i think a rule anytime on your phone that you let's just stop speaker phone conversations in public in general in life not only on airplanes and and let's let's get the kids listening to their leapfrog at 110 percent volume um how about you talk to your kids
2: yeah talk to your kids it's i think it's a parent's responsibility and then the one thing that people should do is not speak to a parent you know people go mother bear so Mm. it's way better to speak to a flight crew and ask them to say hey listen can you get this kid playing his video game on silent (laughs) or put in headphones um another interesting thing was that there is a kind of a universal uh, do not disturb sign and that is wearing headphones and it was just cemented through this survey 94 percent of people say that wearing headphones is equivalent to a do not disturb sign
0: I agree. I think that's fantastic. What a great, uh, what a great notion in general. Again, uh, kind of transcends beyond airplanes into life uh, in general. Now we talked about the biohazard of that story about that guy with the <laughs> blood and the feces on the floor. Yeah. I would have to say this next piece on the list. Um, I'm shocked that these numbers are so low on these topics. We've got flossing, nail grooming, plucking eyebrows, picking ears, and popping pimples. People, the number of people who say that that's not okay is disgustingly low.
2: It's disgustingly low. So 50% said that flossing shouldn't be done. I I, I thought that would be much, much higher. I know when I'm flossing, stuff flies. It just does. It does. Um, Nail grooming, okay, 32%. So that said... The only thing is is that if you have a hangnail or you have a raggy you know a a broken nail Mm. sometimes a quick fix but kind of do it under the seat that's kind of what i always nail file
0: or something right you know give it a little snip clip be done
2: yeah, but don't be pulling out nail polish. It's like an offensive smell to some people. I may remember my mother-in-law said to me uh, when I was engaged to my husband. He, she said, "You know what, Jeff really doesn't like the smell of nail polish." And I remember that now. But people mm-hmm. doing it in flight, it's a no-go. But only thirty-two percent said that nail grooming was um offensive. Twenty-six percent said plucking <laughs> eyebrows was offensive. Twenty-three percent picking ears. I think that's disgusting. Oh, and only man. twenty-one popping pimples. Okay, all of that needs to happen in the bathroom.
0: All of it needs to happen in the bathroom. <laughs> all of it. Oh, man. Okay, food on a plane. Sometimes you like to stop at the subway. I think yep. you need to be considerate in what you buy.
2: Yeah, no No one wants tin fish, so tuna on your your subway taking it on board is People a no-go. People do it. 90, uh, 89% said that's a no-go. I, I thought this was tough because I do love an egg salad sandwich, but... They say that um, boiled eggs or an egg salad sandwich, 74%. So I guess it has a much more offensive smell than I thought. And then what about this one, a rack of ribs? I can only see that happening in the U.S. somewhere. Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) Southern
0: states kind of thing. I don't understand how exactly you just carry on a rack of ribs with you.
2: Um, But I guess the fingers yeah it's the fingers for me it's the 84 percent and I, I that that's a high number of people saying they don't want that on probably because of the fingers and the licking of it and all of that gross oh. stuff um before before <laughs> I, I don't know how much time we have but i wanted to quickly share a website because there is a really great website if you want to find the world's cleanest airlines
0: oh i think i've heard of this the worldairlineawards.com.
2: they have all sorts of categories and including one that is the world's cleanest airline. And so they have the top 20 ranked air, uh, all Nippon Airways, ANA, Japanese airline, came out number one, and Asiana, number two. So they're doing something right, Qatar Airline. This was number three, Singapore, and Hainan. So a lot of the top five were Asian countries.
0: Beautiful. I love it. This is fantastic. I'm also kind of grossed out. Travelbestbets.com. If you want to learn more about trips and places that Claire recommends to go, uh, Claire Newell, thank you.
2: Thanks so much, Shane. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you... Are you... you, Okay. 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 Are you
0: okay with... This little piece of radio goodness is a series of stories that should make you ponder 877-399-9898. John O'Chung's in Vancouver. Ryan O'Donnell's in Calgary. I'm Shane Hewitt. I am in the city of Airdrie on the north side of Calgary as well. And um, yeah, so we want to get your thoughts. 877-399-9898. Let us know what you think about some of these. And um, some of them are not okay, I think. Are you okay with... Christmas in July.
1: What do you think? um uh I don't know. I enjoy everything that like Christmas stands for and I enjoy the experience of it. I do think that like Christmas in July should just be an excuse to try to like have a nice family gathering that isn't attached to a holiday and just enjoy the company. Before the holidays, because we don't really do a good job of that uh, during mm. the summer. Uh, so look, the mentality of Christmas in July, absolutely. But Christmas lights, Christmas music, Christmas food, Christmas decorations in July, no. Sacrilegious, mm. no. Okay. Well, it's not
0: very long until Costco gets their Christmas trees up for sale, which you can't wait for. It's true. Um, now, I have a friend of mine, They, uh, she does Christmas when she can because their family isn't always together at Christmas time, so they do Christmas when they can. So sometimes they'll do it in October, sometimes it'll be in March, and this year it's actually going to be in August. So Christmas when they can. So I think that's a lovely notion. And I am due, normally, when I used to have a camping trailer and, well, glamping, Really is what it was. Um, I would go out with the kids and the kids were younger and it was me and two kids and the kids would go to bed and I'd have another cider and I would turn on Christmas vacation while I was camping in the summertime. It was a tradition of mine. So I'm due to do that. So, I mean, that's going to be on my list of things to do. Absolutely. Um, coming up here this uh, next week or so. So, yes, I'm all in. Now, before we get too far into this, let's just get this song on now and then you can tell us. By the way, are are, does, are you feeling the vibe? I am.
1: Oh no, I could feel the ice cube that she's trapped in starting to crack. It's starting yeah. to crack. I love it's it. It's like a finger just oh. moved.
0: Keep it going, Jono, buddy. I don't care about the presents <laughs> underneath the Christmas It's wonderful. Shane is. This makes amazing. me smile. Like, look at it. I feel great right now.
1: I'm
2: happy
0: for you. My favorite thing to do, um, I I spent one Christmas in Hawaii. And that was weird. Right? Um, But I did enjoy it. And so I learned, uh, we used to go to Victoria all the time. My grandparents used to live in Sydney. And so... Nice. So... You know, and green Christmas in in on the West Coast is not quite the same. So I learned that if you go on vacation in early December to a tropical place like Hawaii, where they have all the Christmas stuff, you get the feeling of this tropical Hawaiian aloha Christmas. And then you come home, you have the real winter Christmas. So this is good. I feel good right now. That just made my day. If you answered yes to this question, you're cool. Then you should probably also be getting ready for a cruise. The Hallmark Channel known for making 4,000 Christmas movies that are exactly the same, and 3,900 of them have the same actors, has announced its first ever Christmas-themed cruise. Seriously, I know some people that will hop at this. Thankfully, the cruise will happen in November, but talking about it now, Ryan feels weird. Created in partnership with Sixth Man, the Hallmark Channel Christmas Cruise will allow the network's many devoted fans to experience the magical world of a beloved holiday movie in real life on a cruise
3: set sail for the ultimate christmas celebration at sea on the first ever hallmark channel christmas cruise your favorite hallmark stars will
0: join you aboard the beautiful norwegian gem for an unforgettable trip to the bahamas experience christmas like never before with a sail away ceremony and christmas tree lighting a world premiere of an all new hallmark holiday movie hallmark wine tasting events photo ops with hallmark stars and more the pre-sale now at hallmarkchannelcruise.com. So, I like I I don't know about the Hallmark part of it, but I think oh. this is a genius idea, a statement shared by uh, with People Magazine Jeff Kuehler, Vice President of Events Marketing Community at Sixman, addressed the loyal fans who he calls Hallmarkies, "Leave your puffy jacket and grab your Christmas spirit and passion for Hallmark Channel Christmas movies as we set sail on the most heartwarming holly jolly experience on the high seas." Fans can sign up for the cruise's pre-sale starting on the 19th and after which they can receive a booking appointment with a chance to reserve their cabin on board. Booking officially begins for the general public on the 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern. See, the Hallmark, you know what they're going to do? They're going to do a ton of video and do all the promos on this cruise that lead all through Christmas on the Hallmark Channel, all the Christmas movies. So that's what we're going to do. So if you want to be on TV, I'm guessing they're probably going to ask you to sign a waiver if you look very Christmas, Christmas family hallmark. Um, yeah. But And then they're going to promo the heck out of it. I think it's genius. I really do. I would love to go on a nothing but Christmas, like four-day weekend of all
1: things Christmas. I think this is a great idea. I love it. Uh, look, I think it's a cool idea. I I will admit it's an interesting idea, especially if you literally... Like live and breathe Christmas, which is fine. But if anybody that I've uh, known who's gone on a themed cruise, they all say the same thing. It gets a little old after like day four. So, uh, for example, there's a a heavy metal cruise called 70,000 Tons of Metal where a bunch of metal bands play and you get to party with the bands and, you know, watch some rock shows on a boat. By the fourth day, you're kind of tired of just hearing the same songs and the drinking with the same people. And so I feel like if I was on that cruise, yeah, seeing the Christmas tree light up and sharing some eggnog with Joe Blow, Hallmark actor, I feel like I would maybe enjoy it for like two days and then I'd want all the Christmas things to stop and then I'd just enjoy the rest of the cruise. Does, does that make sense? I mm-hmm. feel like it might be a bit much.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, I get that. That makes sense. I, but that's I think you get that with like all of it, like the heavy metal. How much heavy metal can you um handle on a cruise for days in a row? You'd have to be a real real fan to, to do it if it was a 7-day cruise, right? So this yes. story actually yes. gets even more connected to us, which I'm going to be curious as okay. to what's coming next year. Here's why. Canadian Forest Black. He's a singer. He's been on the shift, friend of the shift. Um I've known him forever. We'd love to have him. He has gone global with his songs. It's incredible. Last year, one of his songs, Sing Along with Me, was, um, in a Hallmark movie, Christmas Hallmark movie. And like Forrest is a cool story because he didn't have any, um, he didn't have any, um, love for Christmas at all. And now he's in a Christmas movie. Um, so (laughs) Forrest, I'm going to play it. Uh, Forrest got married last week
1: oh good for him that's awesome Yeah,
0: and his uh, long time girlfriend Tully Jones um, and Forrest got hitched his big beautiful wedding it was awesome and
3: is dancing on the
0: this is Forrest Fire he's Canadian
3: up our feet
0: Um, and so, so he got married and him and Tully got married and then you know who uh, was efficient at their the wedding
3: toe was hanging for a reason the I Caroline Ray, sleep, maybe Caroline Ray, the
0: actress, she was on like Bewitched or whatever that show was, but she's in a bunch of Hallmark Christmas movies, and that's where Ray? they met. Was in the Hallmark Christmas movie land. So I'm <laughs> curious if someone like no Caroline way, Ray is going to be on this cruise. Like no does make you look at Giotto smiling over there. He's all uh, Christmas spirit. I mean, he's, that's, he's fighting, that's but he cool likes it. Him. That's cool. So then. I wonder if a guy like Forrest Black is going to be there because they seem to love him and um, and Caroline Ray's all buddy-buddy with him. So, I don't know. There could be... A, this could be... I think there's more surprises to come. Just saying. I feel good. Are you okay with... I might have bitten off more than I can chew here with are you okay with tonight. Um, okay. Speedos. Wearing a Speedo. Uh,
1: you know, okay not for me. Uh I usually feel very uncomfortable <laughs> when I see like but it, I respect it, but you know like the the guy in his like mid 60s 70s who just doesn't care anymore, he's re- repping the most spectacular dad bod and it's like got the speedo. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like showing a lot. That's ironic and I think it's funny and I and I no problem with it whatsoever. It is what it is. I would never wear a speedo. However, I just watched the uh Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Tastic. And all the bodybuilders, Mm -hmm. the Speedo is a necessary part of being a bodybuilder. It is a necessary wardrobe piece. And so even if we banned it for everybody, for the sake of public beaches, uh, I would say that the bodybuilders should keep the Speedo. Oh, I don't know.
0: What about you, John? Did you ever rock a Speedo going to the pool?
1: No, I don't think I have the courage to do that.
0: Yeah, see, that's exactly why, exactly why I say we should do it, right? That's why you should do it because wear the speedo, man. Just do it, wear it. Just get one that fits, like get the right size. Same thing with you know when people wear bikinis that don't have a traditional bikini bob. Absolutely, rock a bikini, my friend. Just get the right size. But yes, I think you should wear a speedo and you should rock it and you should be proud of it because, for me, the notion of being afraid, like John just said, that's exactly why I want to, I want to do it. Is because would, I'd be terrified, self-conscious, all the things. Um, so I would say, yes, absolutely, you should. And Ryan kind of feels like nothing says overconfidence like in a, wearing a Speedo. But Speedos are reporting that in 2023, sales and orders across Europe, Middle East, and Africa are up by over 200%. The Middle East is surprising um, compared with 2022. Meanwhile, in the U.S., the brand reports a 54% sales increase from 21 to or 20 to 21 is expected to exceed this for 23 Stephen Doig, men's style director at British newspaper, The Telegraph, said the garment's resurgence could be down to a wider movement towards shorter, short proportions in men's fashion more broadly. Um, mustaches, crocs, mullet hairstyles, socks and sandals, uh, a little bit of ironic style as Ryan sees it. I don't think it's ironic. I think it's, um, I think it's pretty great. More than Speedo. I can't hear you, Ryan. I can't hear Ryan right now.
1: Oh, there. We, hold the Sorry. Mike needed uh, uh, the Crocs Thanks. socks and sandals. That's 100% ironic fashion. 100%. This is bad it, fashion. It's not ironic. It's bad. fashion. No, 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 it's ironic. It's ironic. Um, uh, that's but, you saying this
0: is bad fashion and we're going to put something on it. It makes it playful so we can keep doing it.
1: I get a lot of compliments on my Crocs, dude. That's all I'm saying. But they're kind of like they—the way they come across is like a uh, dude. Those are sweet Crocs. I know that that guy doesn't think that those are the nicest shoes on the planet, but mm-hmm. he respects the Crocs. I've never seen somebody go, dude, that's a great Speedo. Right. So I think okay. it's different. I think it is different than the ironic part. I think it is just a new wave in in fashion. And uh, you know, while well, you enjoy the waves in the ocean,
0: wear it. Wear the Speedo. Don't listen to Ryan. You go
1: wear the Speedo, friend.
0: Just get the right size. Are yes. you okay with karaoke?
1: Karaoke. I've only ever done it a few times, but I love it. It is so much fun. You have to have a good group, and you have to have a lot of alcohol, <laughs> in my experience, to make it, uh, you know, quite a quite a special night. But uh, it is a it's something that I haven't done in, a, in probably about a year and a half now, and it's something that I must do. Soon because it's just a blast. Okay. I've never done it. Um, really? Never.
0: I would be more afraid to do karaoke than I would be to wear a Speedo. Oh, wear a Speedo while doing karaoke. That would be terrifying. Um, so there was a concert, a pretty big concert, actually, where a little karaoke happened. And a very drunk man kind of picked the wrong place and the wrong time for karaoke. Nobody called his names, and although he did seem to want to pick the song. It all happened at a Brian Adams concert. Canada's biggest rock star was performing his biggest song summer of 69 and he asked the audience to join in and that's when a very 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 drunk fan jumped on stage and joined in he grabbed the mic stand from Brian Adams and for a little surprise solo delivery of the songs iconic vocals. Okay, so I want to explain Amazing. what happened there, because Brian Adams says, come on, everyone, join in. So he literally thought he was talking to him, got up on stage, yeah. and and then and sang the song. So we'll play it again, and I'm going to explain what happens now that you've heard it. So there is Brian Adams singing, and then you hear it pause as he backs away from the microphone. He just takes a step backwards. This guy grabs the microphone. You can very clearly hear when he starts to sing. And then it gets quiet for a second, and that's when security grabs him. <laughs> Then you can hear Brian Adams step back in, doesn't miss a beat, and just keeps going with the song. (laughs) Listen to it again.
1: He's a professional. He knows how to deal with this kind of tomfoolery. He didn't. It was not surprise in
0: his face. He just stepped backwards. He hit the the note on the guitar. They kept playing. And then when the guy was dragged away, he waited for the right time, stepped forward to the microphone, and continued singing. It was beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. We'll post it at shiftheads.ca so you can see the video off of Twitter. The incident is just the latest in a string of bizarre and dangerous fan-performer interactions. BB Rexa, Pink, Lil Nas X, Harry Styles, they've all been assaulted or had things thrown at them on stage over the last month. This is not new. It's been happening forever. Rock bands getting beer bottles thrown at them, stuff like that from drunk people. But this is next level. This is not tossing your phone for a selfie. Um, give the guy credit, though. He really must have been into it when Brian Adams said, sing along with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he took it to literally. think he's talking to me man he's talking to me i'm going <laughs> this is a thing of beauty what a pro brian adams is
1: this is the shift podcast
0: All right, here he is, Andy Barrar, our, our favorite little skipper, DIY guy. Uh, welcome back, buddy. How are you? I'm great, Shane. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's a good day, Andy. It's a good day to have you back. We have some exciting news that we should share um, with Andy coming up this week that we're going to see you again, aren't we? That's right. Yes. I just got the memo. Oh. Yeah, so um coming up on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, normally for Game Showy, Kelsey Campbell is our competitor, but Kelsey's on vacation. Handy Andy has accepted the invitation to be on the shift for Game Showy. Now, I know many Shift Heads have shared at uh, the Facebook group at shiftheads.ca that they would love to hear Handy Andy on Game Showy. And I can tell you this, that the topic for Game Showy will be, I think, out of Andy's realm. It's not going to be DIY. It's not going to be gardening, nothing like that. So uh, Andy will join us coming up here in a couple of days for Game Showy,
3: too. That's exciting. Pressure's on, buddy. Well, I'm very competitive, Shane. So, uh, you know, I'm going to bring my A game. I will drink late night coffee for this Game Showy, just so my my brain will be, like, you know, on fire for this competition.
0: Stimulated. We'll have a stimulated Andy. Yeah. It's much like Handy Andy. It's just a little different. Um. Okay, cool. So here, let's get to the task at hand, which is your normal DIY and all the things. You have an interesting list of uh, chattables tonight on the show. I've been looking more at... I've been buying home kit items because that's the Apple network stuff. And I, I like it. I find it, it integrates quite nicely. It's quite awesome. They have door and window contact yeah. kits as well for those. So that means that inside my HomeKit app, I can have, if somebody opens a door or opens a window, it'll send me an alert. And you can also set them up that it would start to trigger a camera to record if the door opens, stuff like that. So it's really cool stuff. You're looking at some DIY ways that people can increase their security.
3: Yes, that's right. And it really starts with the ecosystem that you're going to be using for your smart home. Now, like you just mentioned, you have Apple HomeKit. That is one of the ecosystems, and of course, that uses Siri as your voice assistant. But there's also Google Assistant for Android users and Amazon Echo speakers that use Alexa. So between the three, once you have that ecosystem, you can then add in a variety of different types of smart products into your home. And all of these connect to Wi-Fi, and they give you a lot of range of options. Now, what we're going to talk about today, Shane, is in the event that you're going on holidays and you're going to be away from your home for an extensive period of time. That can bring a lot of anxieties because you don't know what's going on. And this is where a smart home can really be uh, advantageous because you can combine all of these products and then be, have eyes and ears of what's happening at home and also act as a deterrent from would-be thieves. I have a question for you, Shane. Have you ever had your, your house broken into before? Never really okay so this happened to me when i was 15 years old i was at school and i had a my stomach was bugging me so i called my mom i'm like i gotta go to the doctor so she picked me up I, I actually i made it home we went to the doctor when we came back shane i remember opening the door and my backpack which was just by the door was gone and i could see my my textbooks there and within that second shane I went from being a boy to a man because I knew somebody had come into our house during that time. And I mm-hmm. told my mom, I'm like, go next door, call the police. And then I slowly, cause I didn't know if anybody was home. So I'm like, I could feel the adrenaline going into my 15 year old body as I walk up the stairs. And I look across, I could see my parents' room and all the drawers and dressers were pulled out. So I definitely mm-hmm. knew somebody was in there, but I had to go room to, to see if anybody was still the house. And You know, nobody was inside, but yeah, that I'll never forget. And it's always kind of been in the back, especially going on on holidays. Now, what you can do with smart home products is smart lights. You know, you can turn them on and off with your voice. That's super convenient, but you can set schedules. So if you're leaving for holidays, what you want to do is continue your daily habits of what time you get up. So you could schedule so that your bedroom light would come on, say, 630 in the morning. Then say maybe at 7, your bathroom light comes on. And then maybe half an hour later, your kitchen light comes on. If you kind of set that up before you leave on holidays, it makes it look like your home. And that will deter would-be thieves from coming onto your property. In the event that they do, you can set up motion detection on smart security cameras, have them facing anywhere that you think that people might want to come onto your property, whether it's in the front or on the side or in your back entrance. And anytime that you get uh, motion detection, you'll get a post notification onto your, um, you'll get a push notification onto your smartphone that'll tell you that there's something's going on. So um, between those kind of things, you can get a lot of protection and, and deter would be thieves from coming into your home.
0: We got a text here. I think it's a valid question. Hey, Andy, wouldn't a smart home be able to get hacked?
3: Um, they could be hacked, actually. But you know, anything that connects to the internet and connects to Wi-Fi has that potential. However, the way that smart homes work is they on an app, and that app is encrypted. So typically, to get inside that app, you're going to have to use your finger, po- uh, finger, or a password to get in there. So, you know. Technically, yes, they could get hacked. It's still going to be very, very hard, especially if you have everything, um, you know, secured on on your smartphone and have limited devices that are connected to that app.
0: To add to that, I think one thing that I read. So the the cameras that I have are called Vocal Link, and there are two ways to use Vocal Link cameras. Work with the Alexa and all the the ones you're talking about as well as HomeKit. And if you use them through the Vocal Link connection, then you have a Vocal Link. Um, login, yeah, to access it, and you can you know save some video time and all that stuff on there and see it, kind of like a cloud-based thing. So that would be very vulnerable, uh, for Vocalink to get you know penetrated or your username and password to get used to access your account on that third-party thing. You can turn that off with HomeKit, and it stays completely encapsulated inside your Apple. Uh, network. I would say that, and this might be a bit of a guess, but I would say that if my Apple username and password got hacked, um, we have much bigger problems to worry about than my camera. Um, yeah. because that would mean that they have access to all of my billing, all of my wallet, all of everything else that's going on out there. So possible. Yes. But in some of these cases, like Andy described the ecosystems, they are, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they are encapsulated in their own universe, right? So it's not like it's not like they're reaching out to anybody else. So possible, yes, but less likely
3: than if you're using a third party login for this and a third party login for that. Fair. Yeah, that you have sense, yeah. you, you got to be worried about the cameras that you, that come from Asia because right now the majority of the the smart security cameras they're making you pay that annual or monthly fee to get cloud storage. Some will allow free storage, but they're, they're, they're. you know, the, the protocols that they're using for security are probably not as secure. So you kind of get what you pay for. That's why I recommend you go with one of the reputable brands, whether it's Ring, Arlo, Google Nest. Those are the kind of cameras that you would want to get. Another interesting thing is the last thing you want is to be on vacation and say a cat goes by and then you get a push notification and you freak out and you're trying to look at a live view. So what a lot of these cameras do now is they have AI built into it that can have what's called person detection. So if a cat goes by, if a skunk goes by, it won't it won't trigger an alert, but if somebody is walking around and it can detect that that's a human being, then it will give you an alert. And this has happened to me, you know, you arm your cameras and if you don't have these, these AI you know, features inside the camera, you get a lot of false positive kind of notifications and that'll make you less likely to check in the future. So that's something else that you want to look out to when you're purchasing them. And like you mentioned, Shane, you can combine all of these different gadgets together. So you could have it so that if the camera detects motion, turn on the living room lights. So it looks like somebody just woke up or the bedroom lights, somebody's you know inside the house and to deter the would-be thieves. Another trick that I do that doesn't really require much is just keep talk radio on at a low volume. So it sounds like somebody's in, in inside the home talking at the same time. So that's, those are the kind of tricks that you want to do to deter thieves. And they don't like light as well. Like where, when you get motion detection, a lot of these cameras actually have floodlights now. So they detect motion, this big light goes on, and then it starts recording and all that footage goes in the cloud. And at the same time, if you get that notification and you're near your smartphone, you can get a live view and with two-way audio. And some of them actually have alarms. So in the app, you can set an alarm to to scare people away. So there's lots of different options that you can do with these uh, smart home products, especially when you're traveling.
0: Now, mine, Vocalink, I mean, that's a Chinese company. Their address flat out says Shenzhen. So, um, But at the same time, uh, to me, it's different when you have a company that says, this is where we manufacture our stuff, and then you have the ones that have no name, no number on it. One of the yeah. accusations, of course, that people had said is that we don't know where your data, your streams, whatever, are going if you use the Vocalink, you know, if their service versus the Apple service. But to me, it seems, I find this is as an Apple user, Um, this is where I find it comforting. Apple's not going to license their HomeKit network to just anybody. Um, Whereas some of the open source stuff that's out there for
3: Android, anybody
0: can get it, anybody can use it. Does that ease your mind a little bit?
3: Yes, yes. Apple's really good at that. If you can get into the HomeKit ecosystem, they're going to have safeguards in place to protect um, your data. Apple's really, really good with that. But a lot of these third party, you know, like really cheap security cameras... They don't even have their own app. They use kind of like off the, the the shelf types of apps. So I've noticed I've seen these these brands from Asia where they're st- they're all using pretty much the similar apps. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't have that much protection, but they offer that free storage. And so a lot of people will pick them because they want they don't want to pay that annual storage. I kind of lucked out, Shane, because I got these cameras. The ones that I use from way back, they're grandfathered in, so I don't have to pay for paid storage. But if I get the new cameras with that same brand, then they want you to get that storage. But, you know, it is a good investment if you need to have that kind of peace of mind. And then you could even add in smart locks, because the one thing that I noticed thieves look for is mail that's sitting in front of your house. So you might want to get your neighbor or a friend to come over and to maybe water your plants and pick up the mail. Just to make sure that that stuff doesn't sit on your front door because that's what thieves are looking for is to determine, you know, is, is someone left or is someone home? They're always trying to stake out on homes to try to find out what's going on.
0: Okay, um, we have a uh, another question here before we get on. We got to get through this one real quick was um, if you buy Google cameras, wouldn't it make more sense because you can use uh, Google Drive Space as opposed to some other company? That's, that one actually makes sense to me.
3: Yeah, to, to my note, I haven't tried that. I don't know if it works with the, your actual Google Drive space. But, you know, again, they're all going to have some type of cloud storage at a pay because they want to get that reoccurring revenue. We know everybody's all about subscriptions these days. I, so I haven't tried the Nest cameras. I use Arlo, um, which is a very another very yeah. popular brand. Um, but there's a lot out there. And if you do pay for that cloud storage, you're going to get a lot of extra features. It's just, you know, it's that annual fee. Whether any kind of cloud storage, they'll they'll give you some free, but then they're going to try to get you to pay and become a long-term customer.
0: HandyAndyMedia.com is his website. He's here with us now, Handy Andy Barrar is on the West Coast. And uh, next on the list is, uh, is our listening,
3: Andy. What do you got for us? Yeah, we're going to talk about earworms. I don't know if you ever uh, suffer from, like, having musical uh, melodies or loops I do, but or you know what happens to me when i'm sick when i get a cold
0: then i get a song stuck in
3: my head and i can't sleep otherwise i'm good interesting that's well because yeah. i did a lot of research in this because this happens to me a lot almost to the point that it that i was like maybe i need to get help like i wake up every morning shane and there's music playing in the back of my head like that. There you go. Yes. There's a there's there's a song that stuck in many parents' heads.
0: Ryan's mad now.
3: Great I'm gonna go to sleep with this in my in my head. Anyway. Alright, as you are. So, so earworm that baby shark is a perfect example of a song that can become an earworm, and it it's because of the repetition in the song. In fact, con- composers will design repetition in music to make it catchy and and memorable. But sometimes that can become pathological, where you can't get it out of your head. Now, what you said was really interesting, Shane, because I did some research on who's at risk for earworms, and it turns out that certain emotional states such as when you're tired, overworked, can trigger the chances of you getting an earworm stuck in your head. People who suffer from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and obsessive-compulsive disorder are also more, more prone to earworms. For them, you know, earworms can be involuntary. It can just kind of be in your head and it kind of, you know, drives you crazy. But if it goes to uh, the next level, it can become almost intrusive. And they call those intrusive musical imagery or IMI. And these can last for months, years and wreak havoc on people's life. So the the big question is, what do you do if you get this earworm? If you get this song in your head, and it's driving you nuts and you can't get it out. The best thing that I have found, because this happens to me on a daily basis, Shane. And I never really talked about it because I thought people would laugh at me. But Mm, the best thing. The best thing that I I found to get rid of earworms is to complete the song that you're listening to. So thankfully, I have a lot of these um, smart speakers. So I'll just ask Google or Alexa to play that song if it's sitting in my head. And for something about the song going into completion helps people um, get it through. So that's probably one of the the best things you can do if you do have an earworm. Uh, okay. That's interesting because you, the last thing you want to do is hear that song.
0: So it could be interesting to think that, um, if you, that's the secret, if you want to actually
3: kind of get through it, right? Yeah. The the other thing you can do is try to distract yourself. So you just kind of, cause it's, it's a combination of being boredom and having that repetition inside your head. So if you can mentally distract yourself by, I don't know, watching memes or, or just doing something, some type of, Task that requires mental energy—that's another way to get rid of it. However, they could come back. Earworms come and go. Um, sometimes I, I, you know, I'll, I'll know that there's a music playing. I'm not even cognizant of it. Yeah. But if I play the song, that's the best way to get rid of it. That's
0: a good tip. I like that. Never heard that. I want to. Uh, this is from Chuck um, or Dan for everybody. Manana. Anyway, there we go. Earworms for you, it. so you can blame Handy Andy and Trucker Dan. Uh, well done. Hey Andy, we'll see you on Wednesday night, Thursday morning for game showy. I'm looking forward to it, Shane.